You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Hey, everybody. If no one else has told you yet, good morning. I am glad that you're here. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made an effort to be here, and you are in for a special treat for the very first time onto this platform, we get to welcome from Colorado Springs, Colorado, who has been suffering for the gospel in horrible conditions in Colorado for so long. Please stand to your feet and give some warm East Texas love to Pastor Brady Boyd from New Life Church as he comes to bring the word today. Come on, come on, come on, Thank come you. on. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pastor Tim, Pastor Tina, I, I love your pastors. Can we just honor them? They, you are being led so, so well. I mean that. <clears throat> I, uh, I've known Tim for a long time, for like 20 years. He, when, uh, when he was in Fort Worth, I would be there. I was a frequent guest there, speaker there, and got to know him. Always liked him. And got, I'm getting to know Tina. But listen, all they wanted to talk about last night at dinner was you, the city of Longview, they love you, they love this city, and that's really, really rare and special and good to have shepherds looking after you that love you and care about you, love the city, and so I just honor you back, and thank you for the work that's doing here. I feel like this message today is a bit of a prophetic word for you, the church, and uh, I, <clears throat> I, get to, I get to travel a bit and speak a bit, and not, uh, not every church has, uh, has what's happening here is special. And what's happening here is, is unique, and you need to know that, that I, this is not normal, it's not usual, it's uncommon, and it's a good thing. It's like the Lord is doing something in Longview, Texas, that East Texas needs, amen? And I, I just think right now is maybe there's, there's not a more critical time in the life of the world for the church to be thriving and strong than right now. And y'all, uh, the world needs good churches, and East Texas needs good churches, right? And you have one. So thank the Lord for that, right? Amen and amen. So I greet you from Colorado. God lives in Colorado, but visits here quite often. I know you know that. <laughs> but it's always good to be back in the Republic of Texas, right? Always good to be back here. I can say that in Seattle and nobody gets that. Like Republic of Texas. But I grew up in Louisiana mostly, but I, I spent some of my childhood uh, near Nacogdoches growing up there. About, I lived there for about six years. My dad had a job there. But I'm from Louisiana and then made my way up to Colorado. Uh, I think my wife is watching right now. We've been married 34 years. Can you imagine that? So I would say hi to her. And uh, I still think she's the prettiest girl in the room, whatever room she's in. So we got married when we were in the seventh grade. So but it was a sc the scandal of middle school. But uh, <laughs> I'm from Louisiana, so that, that actually makes sense. But she, uh, she has not really aged in the last 10 years. I don't know what, what the deal is. I've aged, she's not. So when you see her, you think I'm married to a, someone you know, like 10 or 12 years younger, but we're actually the same age. She just looks a lot younger than me. And I'm kind of, she's real pretty though. I like her a lot. And so uh, both of my kids are grown and gone. Uh, they, they are adults. They graduated college last year and they both have jobs and a, a house that's not mine. And I'm I'm really happy about that. I, I kind of like that whole empty nesting. I didn't cry at all when they left, because they, 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 they live five minutes away. So they're over at my house all the time around dinner time, and watch, they, they're still around. But uh, I'm proud of them. They both love Jesus. They're both single. So uh, just keep that in mind. 
And uh, but a really, really, really good young people, though. I really love my kids. And, and I, so it's good to be in East Texas. I want you to turn in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19. Go to the red letters, take a left. You'll end up in 1 Kings. 1 Kings is a story of kings, of a group of leaders in Israel that started making minor compromises that led to a major catastrophe, if you read the book of 1 Kings. And along the way, God would send prophets to the nation of Israel trying to call them back to their love for God. And one of those prophets was a man named Elijah. And Elijah came on the scene in a very difficult, violent time in Israel. So what you see happening today in the land of Israel has been going on for about 4,000 years. The conflict, the bloodshed, the violence, the corruption, quite honestly, has been going on. It's been the epicenter of violence for a long time. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, if you know what happened in verse chapter 18, Elijah confronts the evil prophets of Baal and an epic showdown that resulted in the biggest barbecue disaster in the, in the Old Testament, right? So they had this full, a head of a, 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 a cattle, a dead cattle. He sacrifices it, calls down fire on the sacrifice. It's completely consumed. And the prophets of Baal are shamed and embarrassed. And these are bloody people. Ahab and Jezebel have killed hundreds of, of followers of Yahweh at this point. And Elijah, with unbelievable courage, goes into enemy territory and confronts the prophets of Baal. Fire comes down from heaven. Sacrifices are consumed. It's an epic showdown. That's chapter 18. Chapter 19, he loses something. He loses his courage. And I want to talk to you today about the battle for our courage. Because there is a fight going on in the heavenly realms for your courage and my courage. Your strength and my strength are under attack. And you don't have to watch much of what's going on in the world right now to know that the world's burning down right now. It's a, it's a serious time in the history of the world right now. We have war in Ukraine. We have war along the multiple borders of Israel. I have a lot of friends in Israel. I have friends in uh, the West Bank. So I'm, I'm familiar with the Palestinian struggle. I'm also very familiar with what God's doing in Israel. Uh, Hamas is an evil thing that needs to be confronted. It, it, they're evil. That It's an evil organization. And what's happening there is a 75-year conflict that, that's boiling over again. And this started in 1948. It will continue until something is done. So this, what's happening there is not new. And... Elijah is at the forefront of this struggle, and in verse 19, he got threatened. Now remember, verse chapter 18, big victory, epic victory, fire from heaven, prophets of Baal defeated, but let's pick it up now in verse 19, and watch what happens to this, this, this courageous man. Look what's going on in his soul in chapter 19, verse 1, and Ahab told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. So he gets a text message. So Elijah is by himself. <clears throat> so old-fashioned messenger shows up and says, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And that's a long way of saying, I'm coming to kill you. So he gets this message from a woman who has a known track record of murder. Ahab, don't make no mistake about it, Ahab and Jezebel were terrorists. They were really good at it. They, they knew how to exact violence on their enemies. And so when he gets this message, it's, it, it's serious. A, a known terrorist has threatened your life and they're coming for you. 
And listen to what he says. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Now, 24 hours earlier, he had stood toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal, mocking them, daring them to call down fire on their sacrifice, and it didn't happen. He calls down fire on his sacrifice, and it totally wipes them out. 24 hours later, he gets a message, a threat, and he's running. What happened? He'd lost his courage. And he says he ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. Underline that phrase because this is part of the problem. For for the remainder of this story, what you're going to see is Elijah is by himself. He isolates himself. He puts distance between himself and his friends. And there's a problem when we start doing that, when we start isolating, when we start running from the very people that want to help us, you can see what happens here. But he himself, by himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness, so he's completely isolated, completely alone, and he came and sat down under a broom tree. Now, these broom trees actually look like brooms. If you've seen them, they're really thick, and they provide a ton of shade. And he says he sits down under this tree, and listen to how he prays. This is one of the biggest whining episodes in all the Hebrew Testament. He says, and he prayed that he might die. And he says, it is enough. I've had enough. I'm done. I'm finished. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, <clears throat> we open up these continuously articulate scriptures Or that you gave us, you gave us these words, you gave us these scriptures, you've breathed on them, you've breathed through them, you speak to us through them. And I pray today that you would challenge us and shape us and convict us and do holy work inside of all of us because of these scriptures. Lord, let these stories come alive, let these verses do something in us, and we pray, we give you permission to do all of that in Jesus' name, amen. When I, uh, when I grew up, uh, some of you know my story from 16 years ago. I was, became the senior pastor of New Life Church in August of 2007. I was at Gateway Church before that, moved up to Colorado. And on my 100th day as senior pastor, which is now we're in December of 2007 on a Sunday morning, I had a guy come on my campus with an AR-15 assault rifle that he had converted, to, he converted it to an automatic weapon. He had 1,000 rounds of ammo strapped to him. He had multiple smoke grenades. He, had, uh, he was fully armed. And he opened fire in my parking lot. He killed an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old girl, two girls. They were sisters. Killed them both in my parking lot, wounded their father, shot another lady as she was driving by trying to get away from him. He came into my building, opened fire inside of my building, wounded other people. And a, a very heroic, five-foot-tall security woman who had had a training in the Minneapolis Police Department came around the corner emptied her Glock 9mm into him and stopped him. So I heard all of that. I witnessed it. I cleaned up the blood. I did the funerals. I repaired the damaged holes and walls of my church. I know what it feels like to be attacked. I know what it feels like to wake up one morning and all the good things that you thought were happening in your church are suddenly under attack. Uh, Sometimes I have pastors complain to me that they're going through a rough season. You know, somebody's mad about the carpet. And I have experiential arrogance about all of that. I was like, let me me tell you what a bad day sounds like. You're not having a bad day. Let me tell you what a bad day is like. That was the worst day of my life. And I remember coming home that night after I had to do this, uh, this news conference. It was broadcast all over the world. And I had to 
come home and I hugged my wife and I hugged my kids and I thought, this is, this is, I don't know if I'll ever get my courage back again. I don't know if I'll ever have faith again to do the work that God's called me to. I know exactly how Elijah feels to go from the mountaintop to the valley of the shadow of death in a matter of a few minutes. And some of you have had that experience, right? You know, you're, one day everything's going great, the sun's on your face, the wind's at your back, uh, everything is rainbows, b- puppies, and butterflies, right? And, and then the next day, it's chaos. Uh, it's, it's absolute chaos and fear. All of us in this room, if, you're, if we're honest, if we're human and we're honest, you've had days where you're, you've not been courageous. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, listen, I, I don't, I'm not doing well right now. You know, there's two lies told at church every Sunday. Lie number one is, I'm praying for you. Number two, I'm doing great. <laughs> right? Come on. Maybe the third lie is, I love you. I don't know. I, that, that's going be true in my church, but not yours. But listen, I want to give you some hope today. I want to tell you a hopeful story, if, if that is you today. If you feel like your courage has been robbed from you, maybe your strength has been sapped from you, God knows how to give us courage. And there is a biblical scriptural formula for receiving the courage of the Lord. And the enemy's skilled at taking away our courage. First Peter says we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The enemy knows how to roar. He knows how to threaten. He knows how to intimidate. He knows how to knock you off center, to get you off your purpose, to keep you off your pace. He knows how to do this. So I want to share with you today some facts about discouragement, some things you need to know about discouragement. And number one, it's common. All of us in this room have had days where we're discouraged. Come on, am I talking to you today? Say amen. If that's true. You know what? It feels like to wake up one day and you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to pet your dog. You don't want to go to school. You don't want to do anything. There's something happened in your soul. The day before, you were ready to charge hell with your hair on fire, right? With a water pistol. But the next day, you don't feel that way. It's common. Everyone has been discouraged at one time or the other. Your pastor has been discouraged. I have been discouraged. The great, every great figure in the Bible, every heroic personality in the Bible has had seasons of their soul where they've doubted, they've wondered. Your pastor said it a moment ago. He says, there there are times when I'm singing a song and I know it's true, but I don't believe it yet. But I'm going to sing it until I believe it because I know it's true. Listen, there are times when I read the Bible and I know it's true, but I don't believe it today. So I keep reading it and I keep praying it until I believe it. Why? Because I know it's true. And that's true for all of us. Sometimes we just need to say to ourselves, I don't believe that yet, but I know it's true and I'm going to keep walking until I believe it. Everyone's been discouraged. So it's common. Number two, it's chronic. In other words, it can come back. Being discouraged once does not give us immunity. We can, we can be discouraged repeatedly. It keeps coming back in waves sometimes. If some of you have ever been, uh, this is a, a part of the grief cycle, in fact. If you've ever lost a loved one, if you've ever lost someone that's close to you, you go through days where you're doing great, you're, you're happy, you're content, you're joyful, and then a wave of grief sweeps over your soul, and you realize this, it's chronic. It's, it's, it's going to come back. It's okay to say that it's back. It's okay not to be okay, right? It's common, it's chronic. And, and here's the next thing, it, it's, uh, it's contagious. You, you can be around people that are discouraging. You, you, you're actually doing pretty good till you hang around them. Listen, I want to give you some, some free advice. 
Discouragement spreads by even casual contact sometimes. And, and, and people can actually become disheartened because you're discouraged. So I, I have learned over 56 years of living that I need to be, have a balance of relationships in my life. And I need to make sure that uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's always an honor to walk along someone who's heavy-hearted. It's, it's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a joy. It's our calling to hang around people who are going through dark seasons of the soul. All of us should be available to other human beings when they're not doing well, right? However, you also need people who are speaking life into you. Because you're going to have plenty of opportunities to give life away. You just need to find life-giving opportunities to receive something from someone. You need to have people that are encouraging you, strengthening you, speaking life into you. Because there's going to be plenty of opportunities to give it away to people who are hungry and thirsty. So make sure in your life that you notice the balance. Who am I hanging out with? And make sure it is a balance of people that need you and a balance of people that are feeding you. People that need you and people that feed you should be a balance in your life all the time. Because discouragement is contagious. It's common, it's chronic, it's contagious. So what causes it? Why, why do we get to this place? How do we end up here? So let me give you some causes of discouragement today. Number one, fatigue. Most of us are more tired than we care to admit. And we've been tired since 2020. And listen, there's a, there's a type of fatigue that cannot be solved by one good night's sleep. And you're fooling yourself if you think you can refuel your soul with just a couple of naps or a good night's sleep. However, <laughs> I believe that the best remedy for discouragement is a nap. Listen, some of you need to get back into a habit of Sunday afternoon naps. Listen, if the Dallas Cowboys don't put you to sleep, then nothing was ever going to put you to sleep. What you have is insomnia if that doesn't put you to sleep. Come on, that's embarrassing. So get back into a habit. Listen, honor the Sabbath. Find a day that only you and the Lord share. Find a day where you can have some unhurried conversations with people around you and where you have unhurried conversations with God. That's what a Sabbath is. Growing up, my kids, I wrote a book called Addicted to Busy and in one, in one, of that, one chapter I talk about bedhead days that I used to do with my kids. When my kids were really little, they said, Dad, what are we doing today? I'd say, I'd tell them, Today is a bedhead day, which means we're going to brush our teeth and wash our face, but that's about it. And what's our plans today, Dad? Whatever we want to do. We don't have anything scheduled. We just go for a walk. Let's go out to eat. Let's, let's, uh, let's watch a movie together. Let's just do something that's unscripted and unhurried. And that's the way I taught my kids to honor the Sabbath, is to make sure we have an unscripted day as regularly as possible. Now, I know you got littles, you get your busy. I understand. I see the look on all of your faces. But it's possible with little kids to honor the Sabbath. So when everybody else was doing five events on Saturday, we did one. So, they, so my kids are not, didn't get any athletic scholarships. They didn't go to Harvard. They didn't do any of that. But they're good kids today. And listen, doing less is actually more important for your kids than doing more. Learn to like tone down your schedule. Teach them how to have healthy rhythms. Teach them how to be still. Teach them how to just sit and enjoy, get off the screen. I'm not trying to bark at you, okay? Listen, I'm here, I'm, I'm a guest speaker today, so I'm not here to bark at you. But like, turn your face toward the sun every once in a while. Go for a walk, smell, smell nature. And let, let God replenish your soul. So fatigue is a big deal. Second is a frustration that happens that causes us to be discouraged. And, and most of us, if we were honest, are living with unresolved grief and disappointment. 
You think about what happened in 2020. We had a perfect trifecta of, of cataclysmic events that did something in all of our souls. We had a, a shutdown because of the virus. We had uh, racial tensions that were, rose to the surface that we had to address. And then we had a nasty political season right at the end of that. And most of us have never recovered and we still are living with these unmet expectations, this disappointment, this grief. Every time I talk to someone one-on-one, -on -one, they always go back to 2020 and talk about a friend that they lost, a disappointment that happened in their life something that they missed, something that they lost, something that was taken away from them. So frustrations happen, fatigue happens, and then sometimes we just fail. Failure is a big deal. Constant failure can be a discouragement to us. And sometimes we just need to regroup and start over. Amen? Sometimes it's okay to say, I, I messed up. I didn't get that right. I failed. Please forgive me. I'm going to try again. I, tell you, I, tell, I haven't told this story very often, but I was raised over here in Logansport, Louisiana, not far from here. And when my parents brought me home from the hospital in 1967, uh, they knew something was wrong with me because I, I had purple skin, I wasn't breathing well, and they took me to a little country doctor, Dr. Sandifer in downtown Logansport was the country doctor there. And when they walked into, this is a true story, when they walked into his office, there was a magazine with a picture of Denton Cooley. He's a legendary heart doctor in Houston, Texas, that was doing experimental surgeries on babies with heart condition. What I had, I had a condition called Tetralogy of Fallot. I still have it. And in 1967, there was a 100% mortality rate for kids with Tetralogy of Fallot. There was no, no cure for it. There was no surgery that could uh, prevent death. But there was a doctor in Houston, Texas, that was willing to experiment. And he was one of the few doctors who was willing to do open heart surgery That's on infants. And he was losing about 80% of his patients. And later in his life, when he was 90 years old, they said, how in the world, day after day after day, when babies are dying on your operating table, how did you get through that as a human being? He said, I knew that if I kept trying, I, I could find a cure and save some babies. He said, all of those babies, 100% of those babies were going to die but I was willing to keep experimenting until I figured it out. So on the day that I had surgery, this is a true story. Sometimes I don't let the facts stand in the way of a good story, but what I'm about to tell you is true. You didn't get that joke at all, did you? All right. What I'm telling you is a true story. There were eight surgeries that day. In, in August of 1967, at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas, there were eight surgeries, four in the morning and four in the afternoon. Not to be Captain Obvious, but me and a girl from Romania were the only two that survived. And I was the last surgery of the day. Six families lost their babies that day, and Denton Cooley did not quit. He kept trying. He kept looking. He kept doing the surgeries. And on the eighth surgery that day, when he opened up my chest cavity, he was able to repair my heart. And 56 years later, I'm standing here today because the doctor didn't quit. He kept going. Didn't quit. <clears throat> I love the Winston Churchill quote. He says, he says, success is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Listen, some of you just need to get up and try again. Yeah. Yeah. So I've come, I've come from Colorado with a word from the Lord for you. Don't quit. Come on. Keep going. Try again. So your business failed. Try it again. Do something better. Find a new idea. Every, listen, the, the Wright brothers crashed several times before they flew. Every great inventor will tell you this. There's lots of failure and then there's sudden success. 
years of failure and then sudden success. And here's the last thing it causes. So it's f fatigue, frustration, failure, and then fear is the great crippler of our generation right now. The reason most people are, are stuck, they're frozen, they're crippled because fear has gripped their soul. Listen, it's easy to be afraid right now. There's a lot of fearful things out there. There's a lot of stuff out there that's kind of scary. There's a lot of things that keep you up at night. The anxiety of, of, of listen, I was told, telling someone the other day that 10, 20 years ago, we would have found out about the Israeli war the day after. I had it on my phone 30 minutes after it started happening. Real time, with video. And I'm, I'm watching shootings and violence 30 minutes after it happened or halfway around the world. It's on my phone with real video. I'm, I'm seeing the blood as it happens. I'm seeing the carnage 30 minutes later. And our souls, our human souls, were not designed for that much trauma. It's a lot going on. So fear is something that has to be addressed. Anxiety has to be addressed. And so let me tell you, let's pick up the story in 1 Kings 19, because I want you to see how God helped Elijah get back going. He got to, he, Elijah, you got to stand up and go. Verse 19, verse 18. God comes to Elijah and says, Elijah, listen to me. I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. Listen, High Ridge Church, I want you to listen to me. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in, the, in America today who love Jesus exclusively who are worshiping their faith off right now, who are praying incessantly. There are godly people all over the world. And the, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If God started High Ridge Church, and he did, this was God's idea, not man's idea then that no matter what happens in Longview, Texas, or across East Texas, or anywhere around the world, his church will flourish and thrive regardless of what the enemy does anywhere in the world. We, we are Christ victorious. When Christ came out of that tomb on the third day, it meant something for us. It, it does, we are resurrection people. And, and so he's saying, listen, I know, Elijah, you think you're the only one. Listen, we've all had that day. Is there anyone else out there not crazy? Is there anyone else out there that has not lost their mind? Am I the only one that's got any common sense left? It can feel that way, right? Am I the only one? Because the spirit of knucklehead has taken over a lot of people, right? <laughs> that's a good East Texas word, by the way. I can't say that in Colorado. They wouldn't even know what I was talking about. And it's full of knuckleheads. I promise you, Colorado's full of knuckleheads. <laughs> he says... Uh, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there, and listen to this, and he found Elijah. There would not be another day in Elijah's life where he was by himself. And this is really important for you to see. Notice that when he went into the wilderness, he separated himself from his friends and went into a funk. And he says, Elijah, I have a simple solution for what's bothering you. I'm going to connect you with other people. And he says, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And Elijah never had another day where he lost his courage for the rest of his life. In fact, he had the greatest funeral in the history of the Bible. 
a chariot came down. I mean, that's kind of the funeral I want. I want to be standing and preaching one day, and the chariot of fire sweep me up in front of my congregation. All my critics can see it. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, High Ridge, we're not alone. You're not in this by yourself. And that's the power of the congregation. The Bible says, in the last days, do not forsake the assembling of yourself, especially when you see the day approaching. And I believe turbulent times are going to cause us to make Sundays and the small groups that you're in and the community that you formed, it's not going to be optional, it's going to be mandatory in the days ahead. Your very survival will depend on the deep connections that you have with other believers. And you, we've got to make that a higher priority. Listen, your traveling sports team is not going to save you in the last days. But your, your congregation will. The, peop, the, 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 the chrome hair in this room who've lived more than 40 years, get, find them. Ask them questions. Buy them coffee. Listen, and the people with chrome hair, quit avoiding Gen Z. They're not, they're not evil, okay? They're good people. Find them. Buy, if you will cook for them, they will come to your house. Make sure that you have those intergenerational connections in your life. There's power in this community. I'll tell you a story. I was, in, I was in Nairobi doing some work with some pastors there, and this guy walked up to me and says, hey, I have a bush plane. You want to go see some lions? I said, let me pray about it. Yes. So we got a, I got on his bush plane. We fly down to the Tanzania border. We landed on a, a red dirt runway. There was some Maasai warriors at the end of the runway trying to sell us knives made in China, but that's a different story. We got scammed coming right off the plane. But anyway, we get into this, we get into this Jeep, this full-size Jeep. And he said, I know where the lions are. I said, oh, let me stop for a moment. I said, are these, these are real lions. He goes, they're wild. And I said, I'm, I'm looking at this Jeep and there are no, there's no roof on it and there's no side panels. And he was not armed. I said, we're going in to see real lions that will eat people. He goes, oh, these lions are vicious and they'll have blood on their face from lunch. And he said, I said, well, shouldn't we put up some, something? Like, you know, put a top on this? Shouldn't we enclose ourselves with something? He goes, no, just stay on the truck. I said, what are you talking about? He said, as long as you sit in this vehicle with me, they think you're some wild beast that smells like gas and oil. He said, as long as you stay here, we can drive right up to them. And we did. We drove up, and they were right there, full lions. And I've done this more than once now, but they're right there. He said, don't reach over and pet them. This is not your cat. <laughs> don't touch them. Don't even expose your arms and legs outside the boundaries of the vehicle. Take as many photos as you want, but your safety is here. Listen, that's, that's when the Lord spoke to me. He said, this is why people are getting attacked and devoured by the enemy, because you have separated yourself from the place of safety. This is where you're safe. You're safe when you're together. You're safe when you belong to one another. You're safe in the boundaries of community. Don't isolate yourself. Don't get away from the very place that God has created to keep you safe and to help you flourish in the last days. Can I pray for you this morning? Stand up with me. Let's stand, let's stand together. I feel like I was sent here to tell you something that there's something special going on in your church. And you, you, I know you're a courageous group of people but that's going to get tested in the days ahead. All of us are going to get tested. What is it that we really believe and on what are we basing our hope? Can I just pray for you? If you're here today and you're, say, Pastor Brady, I, I need courage, I need strength. 
Just turn your hands. I, I'm going to turn my hands up because I need it. Just receive. I want to pray a prayer blessing over you and just ask the Lord. Lord, something's been taken from us that needs to be returned. Something's been removed that needs to be replenished. And Lord, only you can give us the strength and the courage that we need. So I pray for every man and woman in this room. I pray for everyone watching online right now. I pray you would fill them with the immeasurable strength and hope of the Holy Spirit. I pray for every marriage in the room right now that's struggling and wrestling. I pray today that you would reconnect and reunite men and women in the holy covenant of their commitment to one another. I pray that you would do healing in their marriage. I pray for every student in the room who feels anguish, anxiety. I pray you would calm and comfort their soul today. I pray you would overshadow them with your goodness, your blessings, and your strength. Lord, I pray for people in the room who need healing in their body. I pray for power to be released from you to us for healing in our bodies. We receive it. We need it. We receive it. Lord, I pray for anyone in the room who's, who doesn't know you but wants to know you. I pray right now at their heart, return toward Jesus. That they would welcome Jesus into their life as his Lord and Savior, King of their life. And by faith, I thank you, Lord, for salvation breaking out all over the room. Lord, I pray today that this church would always have what it needs to do the work that you've called them to do. I pray that this would be a place of blessing, that your blessing would be on this place. That you, Lord, would come and overshadow them with strength, unusual strength, unusual courage, unusual faith. And I bless them. I pray their best days are ahead of them. And I pray, Lord, that, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear, a mind to understand and a heart to believe all that you're saying and all that you're doing. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.